Lesson 1 from the series on Daniel, titled From Reading to Understanding, for December 28 to January 3, read by Dr. Percy Harold. Sabbath afternoon, December 28. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this amazing book of Daniel. We thank you for Daniel's faithfulness to you and what is recorded in this book. We pray that as we open it, that we may see Jesus and also we may see your wonder and your grace and your reliability. Please bless us each one as we open your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Acts chapter 8 and verse 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? Let's read that again. Acts chapter 8 and verse 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? Our church was born from within the pages of the book of Daniel, our study for this quarter. As we begin, we should keep the following points in mind as a template to help guide us through our study. First, we should always remember that Christ is the centre of Daniel, as he is of the entire Bible. Second, Daniel is organised in a way that shows literary beauty and helps us to understand its major focus. Third, we need to understand the difference between classical and apocalyptic prophecies. This will help us distinguish between the prophecies of Daniel and those of others such as Isaiah, Amos and Jeremiah. Fourth, as we study the time prophecies of Daniel, we should understand that the prophetic outlines of Daniel span long periods of time and are measured according to the year-day principle. Fifth, we shall emphasize that the book of Daniel not only conveys prophetic information, but is profoundly relevant to our personal life today. Sunday, December 29, Christ the Centre of Daniel. Question, read Luke 24, 25-27, John 5, 39, and 2 Corinthians 1, 19 and 20. In what ways is Christ the centre of the Scriptures? First of all, Luke 24, beginning at verse 25, Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. John 5 verse 39 You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. And Second Corinthians 1 Beginning at verse 19, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes, 
for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen, to the glory of God through us. There is no question that Jesus is central to the scriptures, and this includes Daniel as well. For example, chapter 1 shows, although in a limited and imperfect way, that Daniel's experience is an analogous to that of Christ, who left heaven to live in the sinful world and confront the powers of darkness. Moreover, Daniel and his companions are endowed from above with Christ-like wisdom to face the challenges of the Babylonian culture. Chapter 2 describes the figure of the end-time eschatological stone to indicate that the kingdom of Christ will eventually replace all the kingdoms of the world. Chapter 3 reveals Christ walking with his faithful servants within a furnace of fire. Chapter 4 shows God removing Nebuchadnezzar from his kingdom for a period of time so that the king could understand that heaven rules, as we read in Daniel 4.26. The expression heaven rules reminds us that Christ, as the Son of Man in Daniel 7.13, receives the dominion and the kingdom as depicted in Daniel 7. Chapter 5 shows the demise of King Belshazzar and the fall of Babylon to the Persians during a night of revelry and debauchery. This foreshadows the defeat of Satan and the obliteration of end-time Babylon by Christ and his angels. Chapter 6 shows the plot against Daniel in ways that resemble the false accusations voiced against Jesus by the chief priests. Moreover, as King Darius unsuccessfully tries to spare Daniel, Pilate unsuccessfully tries to spare Jesus in Matthew 27, verses 17 to 24. Chapter 7 depicts Christ as the Son of Man, receiving the kingdom and reigning over his people. Chapter 8 shows Christ as a priest of the heavenly sanctuary. Chapter 9 portrays Christ as the sacrificial victim whose death reconfirms the covenant between God and his people. And chapters 10 through to 12 present Christ as Michael, the commander-in-chief, who fights the forces of evil and victoriously rescues God's people, even from the power of death. So let us bear in mind that Christ is central to Daniel. At every chapter of the book, there is some experience or idea that points to Christ. And so to finish the day. Amid struggles, trials, or even times of great happiness and prosperity, how can we learn to keep Christ at the centre of our lives? Why is it so important that we do so? Monday, December 31, The Structure of the Book of Daniel The arrangement of the Aramaic section of Daniel, that's chapters 2 to 7, parts of Daniel written in Hebrew and other parts in Aramaic, reveals the following structure, which helps reinforce a central message of that section and of the book. A. 
Nebuchadnezzar's vision of four kingdoms in Daniel chapter 2. B. God delivers Daniel's companions from the fiery furnace, Daniel 3. C. Judgment upon Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel 4. C. 1. Judgment upon Belshazzar, Daniel chapter 5. B. 1. God delivers Daniel's companions from the fiery furnace, Daniel chapter 3. C. Judgment upon Nebuchadnezzar, in Daniel chapter 4. C. 1. Judgment upon Belshazzar, Daniel chapter 5. B. 1. God delivers Daniel from the den of lions, Daniel 6. A. 1. Daniel's vision of four kingdoms, in Daniel chapter 7. This kind of literary arrangement serves to highlight the main point by placing it at the centre of the structure, which in this case consists of C and C1, Daniel chapter 4 and Daniel chapter 5. God removes the kingdom from Nebuchadnezzar temporarily and from Belshazzar permanently. Therefore, the emphasis of chapters 2 through 7 is on God's sovereignty over the kings of the earth as he establishes and removes them. One of the most effective ways of conveying a message and making a point clear is by repetition. For example, God gives Pharaoh two dreams about the immediate future of Egypt in Genesis chapter 41, verses 1 through 7. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly there came out of the river seven cows, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then, behold, seven other cows came up from them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. He slept and dreamed a second time. And suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plump and good, Then, behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them, and the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. In the first dream, seven fat cows are devoured by seven thin cows. In the second dream, seven ears of healthy grain are devoured by seven thin and blighted ears. Both dreams make the same point. Seven years of prosperity will be followed by seven years of scarcity. In the book of Daniel, God also uses repetition. There are four prophetic cycles, which are repetitions of an overall basic structure. In the end, this structure shows us the ultimate sovereignty of God. Although each major prophetic outline conveys a distinct perspective, Together they cover the same historical period, extending from the time of the prophet to the end, as the following diagram shows. And the diagram shows four columns, and in each of the co- first column is Daniel chapter 2, second is Daniel 7, third is Daniel 8 and 9, and the fourth is Daniel 10 to 12. The first column Daniel 2 has Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and God's kingdom is is established. 
The second, Daniel 7, has Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and the heavenly judgment that leads to the new earth. The third column of Daniel 8 and 9 has Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and the purification of the sanctuary. And the fourth column of Daniel 10 to 12 has Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and Michael stands up. So, to finish today, what great hope do these texts present regarding our long-term prospects? The first is Daniel 2, verse 44. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And Psalm 9, verses 7 to 12. But the Lord shall endure forever. He has prepared his throne for judgment. He shall judge the world in righteousness, and he shall administer judgment for the peoples in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the people. When he avenges blood, he remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the humble. And Second Peter chapter 3, verses 11 to 13. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Tuesday, December 31, Apocalyptic Prophecies in Daniel The prophetic visions recorded in the book of Daniel are of a different nature than most prophetic messages delivered by other Old Testament prophets. Daniel's prophecies belong to the category of apocalyptic prophecy, whereas most of the other Old Testament prophecies belong to the category of classical prophecy. An understanding of the basic difference between these prophetic genres is crucial for a correct understanding of biblical prophecy. Apocalyptic prophecies display some peculiar features that differentiate them from the so-called classical prophecies. Visions and dreams. In apocalyptic prophecy, God uses mainly dreams and visions to convey his message to the prophet. In classical prophecy, the prophet receives the word of the Lord, which can include visions, an expression that occurs with slight variations about 1,600 times in the classical prophets. Composite symbolism. While in classical prophecy there is a limited amount of symbolism, mainly involving symbols that are true to life, 
In apocalyptic prophecy, God shows symbols and imagery beyond the world of human reality, such as hybrid animals or monsters with wings and horns. Divine sovereignty and unconditionality, in contrast to classical prophecies, whose fulfilment is often dependent on human response, in the context of God's covenant with Israel, apocalyptic prophecies are unconditional. In apocalyptic prophecy, God reveals the rise and fall of world empires from Daniel's day to the end of time. This kind of prophecy rests on God's foreknowledge and sovereignty and will happen regardless of human choices. Question. Read Jonah chapter 3 verses 3 to 10. Is this a classical or apocalyptic prophecy? Justify your answer. Jonah 3, beginning at verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed him, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. As he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let every one turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent, and turn away from his fierce anger, so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned away from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. What about Daniel 7 and verse 6? After this I looked and there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. Knowing about broad prophetic genres, such as classical and apocalyptic prophecy, can be of great benefit. First, these genres show that God uses a variety of approaches to communicate prophetic truth, as we read in Hebrews 1.1, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. Second, such knowledge helps us better appreciate the beauty and complexity of the Bible. Third, this knowledge also helps us to interpret biblical prophecies in ways that are consistent with the testimony of the entire Bible and rightly explain the word of truth. As it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. So to finish today, on the basis of such passages as Hosea 3, 4 and 5, Amos 8.11, Zechariah 9.1 and 14 verse 4, some Christians today expect the final events of world history to unfold in the Middle East. What is wrong with this interpretation? 
How can knowing the difference between apocalyptic and classical prophecies help us clarify this matter? Let's look at these texts in Hosea 3, beginning at verse 4. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. And Amos chapter 8 and verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, not a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord against the land of Hadrach and Damascus its resting place, for the eyes of men and all the tribes of Israel are on the Lord. And Zechariah 14 verse 4, And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two, from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north, and half of it toward the south. How can knowing the difference between apocalyptic and classical prophecies help us clarify this matter? Wednesday, January 1, 2020. God's Timescale. Another important concept that we need to keep in mind as we study the book of Daniel is the historicist approach to apocalyptic prophecies. This approach, also known as historicism, can be better understood if compared with the opposing views of preterism, futurism, and idealism. Preterism tends to view the prophetic events announced in Daniel as having occurred in the past. Futurism contends that the same prophecies still await a future fulfilment. Idealism, in turn, holds that apocalyptic prophecies are symbols of general spiritual realities without any specific historical reference. Historicism in contrast, holds that in apocalyptic prophecy, God reveals an unbroken sequence of history from the time of the prophet to the end of time. As we study the book of Daniel, we will see that each major vision in the book, in Daniel 2, Daniel 7, Daniel 8 and Daniel 11, repeats this historical outline from different perspectives and with new details. The Adventist pioneers, including Ellen G. White, understood the biblical prophecies of Daniel and Revelation from a historicist perspective. Question. Read Numbers chapter 14 verse 34 and Ezekiel 4 verses 5 and 6. In prophetic language, what does a day represent? Numbers 14 beginning at verse 34, according to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, forty days, for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely forty years, and you shall know 
my rejection. And Ezekiel 4, verses 5 and 6, For I have laid on you the years of their iniquity according to the number of the days, three hundred and ninety days. So you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And when you have completed them, lie again on your right side. Then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty days. I have laid on you a day for each year. As we study the book of Daniel, we also should keep in mind that prophetic time is measured according to the year-day principle. That is, a day in prophecy equals one year in actual historical time. Thus, for example, the prophecy of the 2,300 evenings and mornings should be understood as referring to 2,300 years, as we read in Daniel 8 verse 14, And he said to me, For 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Likewise, the prophecy of the 70 weeks should be understood to be 14. 190 years in Daniel 7 verses 24 to 27. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and seventy-two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublesome times. And after the sixty-two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the Prince, who is to come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood, until the end of the war desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate." This timescale seems to be correct for some obvious reasons. 1. Since the visions are symbolic, the times indicated also must be symbolic. 2. As the events depicted in the visions unfold over long periods of time, even to the time of the end in some cases, the time spans related to these prophecies should be interpreted accordingly. 3. The year-day principle is confirmed by the book of Daniel. A clear example comes from the 70-week prophecy, which extended from the days of King Artaxerxes to the coming of Jesus as the Messiah. So the most obvious and correct way to make sense of the prophetic time periods given in the book of Daniel is to interpret them according to the year-day principle. So to finish the day, some of these time prophecies cover hundreds, even thousands of years. What should this teach us? about patience. Thursday, January 2, Contemporary Relevance of Daniel. 
Although written more than two and a half thousand years ago, the book of Daniel remains profoundly relevant for God's people in the 21st century. We shall note three areas in which Daniel can be relevant for us. God stands sovereign over our lives. Even when things go wrong, God stands sovereign and works through the whims of human actions to provide the best for his children. The experience of Daniel in Babylon resembles that of Joseph in Egypt and Esther in Persia. These three young people were captives in foreign countries and under the overwhelming power of pagan nations. To the casual observer, they may have seemed weak and God-forsaken. However, the Lord strengthened them and used them in powerful ways. When facing trials, sufferings and opposition, we can look back to what God did for Daniel, Joseph and Esther. We can rest assured that the Lord remains our Lord, and He has not abandoned us even amid our trials and temptations. God steers the course of history. At times we feel troubled by a confused and aimless world that is full of sin and violence. But the message of Daniel is that God stands in control. In every single chapter of Daniel, the message is hammered home that God steers the flow of history. As Ellen White says in Education, page 173, In the annals of human history, the growth of nations, the rise and fall of empires, appear as dependent on the will and prowess of man. The shaping of events seems, to a great degree, to be determined by his power, ambition and caprice. But... In the word of God, the curtain is drawn aside, and we behold, behind, above, and through all the play and counterplay of human interests and power and passions, the agencies of the all-merciful one, silently, patiently, working out the counsels of his own will. End of quote. God provides a role model for his end-time people. Daniel and his friends serve as role models for life in a society that holds a world view often at odds with that of the Bible. When pressed to compromise their faith and make concessions to the Babylonian system in areas that would deny their commitment to the Lord, they remain faithful to the Word of God. Their experience of faithfulness and absolute commitment to the Lord provides encouragement when we face opposition and even persecution for the sake of the gospel. At the same time, Daniel shows that it is possible to make a contribution to the state and society and remain committed to the Lord. So to finish the day, we're going to read three passages. The first is Daniel 9.23. At the beginning of your supplications the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore consider the matter and understand the vision. And Daniel 10 verses 11 through 12. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. 
While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. And Matthew 10 verses 29 to 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. What do these verses say about God's interest in our personal struggles? Friday, January 3. The Bible was designed to be a guide to all who wish to become acquainted with the will of their Maker, writes Ellen White in The Great Controversy, pages 521 to 522. God gave to men the sure word of prophecy, angels, and even Christ himself came to make known to Daniel and John the things that must shortly come to pass. Those important matters that concern our salvation were not left involved in mystery. They were not revealed in such a way as to perplex and mislead the honest seeker after truth. Said the Lord by the prophet Habakkuk, Write the vision and make it plain, that he may run that readeth it. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 The word of God is plain to all who study it with a prayerful heart. Every truly honest soul will come to the light of truth. Light is sown for the righteous, we read in Psalm 97.11, and no church can advance in holiness unless its members are earnestly seeking for truth as for hid treasure. End of quote. And from manuscript releases, number 224, pages 169 and 170, study the history of Daniel and his followers though living where they were, met on every side by the temptation to indulge self, they honoured and glorified God in the daily life. They determined to avoid all evil, they refused to place themselves in the enemy's path, and, with rich blessings, God rewarded their steadfast loyalty. And that brings us to our two discussion questions for this week. One, as we study the book of Daniel, one powerful point will come through. God is not only sovereign over all the nations, but also intimately acquainted with each of us, at even the deepest level. For example, as we will see in Daniel 2, he was able to give a pagan king a dream. To be able to get into someone's mind while that person is sleeping and implant a dream reveals a closeness that we cannot even begin to fathom. At the same time, as we will see, the nature of the dream reveals that God is ultimately in control even of the world's vast empires and knows how everything is going to end. What comfort and hope we can draw from these depictions of reality. At the same time, how does it make you feel to know that the Lord is so close that He knows your very thoughts? 
In this context, why does the promise of the cross become so important? And two, in class, discuss the difference between classical and apocalyptic prophecy. What other examples of both can you find in the Bible? This lesson was read by Dr. Percy Harold for Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, Christian Record Services for the Blind, the Sabbath School Department and Hope Channel. You can also listen on the official Sabbath School 4 app and the Apple iTunes app, Sabbath School with Percy Harold. Remember, God is always faithful. Inside Story. Make friends, not Adventists by Andrew McChesney of Adventist Mission. Igor Gospodaritz ordered 800 colourful evangelistic posters reading Bible opens the path to a healthy and happy life from Moscow. He plastered the advertisements around his city in a former Soviet republic where a majority of the population is not Christian. Then an elderly evangelist told him to start over ordering 800 new posters advertising the Seventh-day Adventist Church's five-day stop-smoking program, said Arturo Smith, the evangelist from Argentina. Gospodarets couldn't believe his ears. The posters had taken considerable money and time to place, and he didn't want to start from scratch again. Why? he asked. Our goal is not to make Adventists out of non-Christians, Smith said. Our goal is to make friends. It was 1992, only a year after the collapse of the Soviet Union. Gospodaritz, a young Adventist pastor, was eager to take advantage of newfound religious freedom to share his love for Jesus. He didn't like Smith's advice. It didn't make sense to him not to preach Jesus. He didn't see the logic of offering stop-smoking classes. He didn't want to lose the money invested in the evangelistic posters. He prayed. Finally, Gospodaritz decided to take a chance. Perhaps the elderly evangelist knew something that he didn't. He ordered 800 stop-smoking posters from Moscow and placed them over the old posters. A surprise greeted Gospodarit's eyes when he showed up for the first stop-smoking seminar. The rented hall was packed with 1,000 people. Most of the visitors were not Christians. He realised that the original posters never would have attracted such a large turnout. Five years passed. After a Sabbath sermon, a stranger reached out to shake Gospodarit's hand in church. "'Do you remember me?' the man asked. Gospodarit's didn't. I was in that crowd of 1,000 people who took the stop-smoking class five years ago, the man said. I heard you and Pastor Schmidt speak. The man explained that he had been raised in a non-Christian home and had struggled to quit smoking. The seminars had helped him stop, and realising that the Adventists were his friends, he had started attending church every Sabbath. Gospodarits couldn't believe his ears. It was at that moment that I understood the importance of friendship evangelism, said Gospodarets, now 59 and a church leader in southern Russia. Our goal is not to make Adventists out of non-Christians. Our goal is to make friends for Jesus. This lesson was read by Dr. Percy Harold for Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, Christian Record Services for the Blind, the Sabbath School Department and Hope Channel. 
You can also listen on the official Sabbath School 4 app and the Apple iTunes app, Sabbath School with Percy Harold. Remember, God is always faithful.